You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel is written to us by Matthew. I am reading the shorter version of the Gospel. Maybe that's why we had a short hallelujah. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother or sister will be liable to judgment. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman, or I'm sure a man too, with lust, has already committed adultery in his or her heart. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than that is from the evil one. This is the gospel of the Lord. So, Let's start with this gospel and we'll move back to the previous two readings. Even though I gave you the short version, you have here in the fifth chapter of Matthew seven consecutive statements by Jesus. The law says, but I say. The law says, but I say. Now that's very interesting. You would think the law... Uh, closes the question. There's nothing more to be had. Well, that's not the way Jesus thinks because he understands the development of consciousness, the evolution of history, the evolution even of religion, and there's what the law originally said in words, but you have to interpret it in the present age. And he was doing it already in his time. But I say. Now in this case, he's moving it from external commandments to internal motivation in each case. So uh, you can kill or you can simply harbor anger in your heart. And he said that's already the sin. I'm sure he wasn't referring to the, the emotion of anger because there's things that deserve anger. But he's probably talking about walking around with hatred that festers and allows you to actually murder another person. Same with adultery. Same with taking false oaths. Uh, maybe we should... Read that one to the Congress, I don't know. Uh, But the point is, it's what we call non-dual thinking. 
Non-dual thinking is both and thinking. The law says, but I say. He doesn't throw out the law, but he says, I'm evolving it. I'm developing it. And that's what wisdom teaches you how to do. You're not a slave to the letter of the law, but neither do you throw it out. Can you live in that tension? That's what's called wisdom. And that's what the second reading from Corinthians talks about. That Paul says Jesus has come to teach us a wisdom that the world does not understand. And it's a wisdom that the rulers of this age never understood or they would never have crucified the Lord of glory, as he puts it, because they took it upon themselves to find evil in goodness and kill it, which is Jesus himself. So if you don't have patience with evil and even a kind of uh, humility around goodness, you rush to judgment. You uh, make your conclusions too quickly about who is totally right and who is totally wrong. And it's hardly ever true. Let's just be honest. And so when we see, not just in our politics, but even in our church, people having absolute answers for everything without having read a single book on the subject, that's what we mean by dualistic thinking. You take two sides of the question, build a wall, or let all immigrants in. Well, that's not a fair choice. There's about 100 degrees in between. But you make it real simple, unduly simple, and forgive me, stupid people buy in. Build a wall. Come on. Are are people going to grow up or not? You wonder sometimes. And forgive me for speaking so strongly, but the direction we're going now is, is dangerous for the future of this democracy, for the future of thinking people, for the future of Christianity. That there seems to be nobody who respects the rule of law, just the rule of opinion. And that's true of the left, the so-called liberals, just as much as it is of the right, the so-called conservatives. So don't plant yourself on one side and think you found the truth. That's dualistic thinking. Now, that leads us back to the first reading, uh, a very lovely one, probably lesser known, from the book of Sirach, where we have a, a passage that begins to develop our notion of free will. And the author of Sirach says, God sets before you fire and water. God sets before you life and death. Choose life. And whatever you choose, that is what God will give you. We used to call that 
uh, final option morality. What's your final option? Are you a person who's really seeking to create life in this world? With your neighbor, with the earth, with the animals, with other religions, with your enemy? Um, you're going to have it. He says, choose it. You're going to get what you want. Or is your final option an option for death? You pick fights. You see negativity or you create negativity where there doesn't need to be. You're sour and sad most of the time. I guess that's what you want. What else could God conclude? That's called hell. <laughs> As so many of our saints said, God doesn't send anybody to hell well, I don't think God sends anybody to hell. But if there is such a place, it's because that's where you feel at home. <laughs> that's where you want to go. You want to be around nasty, negative, gossiping, contentious people. And you all know people like that. I bet you know several <laughs> I, I hope no more than several, but much of our society just loves to be angry. And Jesus says, this is the sin, to live in anger, to live in resentment. Uh, we, we hope it doesn't carry us to the final act of murder or destruction of another person or another notion of life. So all in all, I find in all three th readings an invitation to humility, to subtlety, to not rushing to judgment. Because even as right as I'm sure you've all tried to be and I've tried to be, we're still only partially right. Sorry to have to tell you that. <laughs> The best people I know have great big blind spots, as I do too. And the worst people I know, at the end of their life, you find out there were areas in which they really loved. The reason I was not here last weekend was I was driving back from Kansas where I had my sister's funeral. And my sister was always a very happy person. Uh, she died at the age of 79, almost 80. And only after she died, in reading her diaries, did we find out she was a battered woman most of her life. And she never let her children know that. She never let the siblings know that. Now, her generation thought they were supposed to operate that way. I, I think that's garbage. But the amazing thing is that she loved people. She loved life. She never missed Mass on Sunday. She was a lover, not a hater. She wasn't perfect. But how sad it was for her children and I to discover what a hard life she had with a man who knew nothing about love 
but she didn't want to tell the children about it, four of them, because she thought it would hurt them. But at the end, she told us she left her diary and her letters, and we just opened them with tears in our hearts, recognizing how we could have been much more patient with her if we had known the hard life that she kept from all of us. And I bet there's people like that in each of your lives, too.